And so I want to, this morning, start off this vision series by speaking about um, what God's called us to. And I really think it's going to be a time where God really empowers us and knits us together around a common vision for the year, something that He's calling us to. Now, the vision for this year, in a word, is drumroll, please. Renew, renew. And um, God is, I feel, uh, and, and as a leadership team, we feel, is going to renew things through us and in us in 2022. That's what he wants to do. He wants to bring renewal through us and to us in 2022. Um, he has a wonderful verse in Acts 3. It puts it this way. But Jesus must stay in heaven until God makes all things new. So right now, Jesus is in heaven and God is going to make all things new. He's busy doing that right now, just as his holy prophets promised long ago. He's making things new through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, um, and that's happening in different areas. And so we feel like he's going to bring renewal in three different areas. The first one, the one that I'm going to be speaking into today, is individual renewal. How the gospel comes and penetrates an individual's life like mine. And it brings change and transformation Anybody had their life changed because of the gospel? You wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for the gospel, right? You wouldn't be as balanced as you are. I know we might not be as balanced as we would like to be, but we certainly are not as balanced or unbalanced as we used to be, right? And that's because of the gospel. The gospel came in and brought about change in your life. And so um, I'm going to be speaking about this in a minute. The other one is communal renewal, uh, community renewal. We feel like in 2022, God is going to bring about community renewal. The gospel doesn't only change individuals, it changes communities. And, and uh, the last two years have been difficult for community because um, COVID-19 and lockdown has really knocked our friendships, it's knocked our ability to connect with one another. We've had to lock down, we've had to stay separate and isolated. And so, um, and so we want to rebuild that. And I believe that God wants to renew friendships. He wants to renew relationships. He wants to bring renewal in the area of community. Now, one of the things that I want, we're going to unpack this next week, but one of the things I want to get you ready for, I want to get you pumped for this, is that we want to do something as a community to, to focus together on Jesus. And so from next week, we want to have next week as a week of prayer and fasting. I know I said it. I was gone and said fasting. Just like it's a, not, nothing, like it's casual. But, but, but different people, you know, you might, you might come from different places when it comes to, to fasting. But, but look, you might, you might just do one day and, and, and say, I'm going to be fasting with the community for one day. And, uh, or I might do two days or I might try three days and then see a Burger King. And it's just like, but, but give it a shot. Give it a shot. We're going to try and do some prayer meetings in the week and uh, have some worship perhaps in the week, and, uh, and, and just have moments where we can connect with one another in prayer, focusing together on Jesus. There's something about fasting that just says, not my strength. I'm going to live this year in your strength. I'm not going to give my flesh what it wants. I'm going to give my, the, my, my body the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding. There's something about just saying at the start of the year, I depend on you. I need you, God. And, and there's something about doing that together in a community that's really powerful. So the, week of, the next week, that's what we're going to do. We're going to try and go for a week of, of focused, focusing our eyes on Jesus together as a community. And then um, the last form of new renewal that we're going to 
trust God for is renewal through us that's going to bring about city renewal. We want God to bring city renewal. The gospel is not only about how God changes individuals. It's about how he changes all things. You remember that verse? It said all things. He's doing something that's far bigger than just me and you. He's wanting to change all things. And so what we're going to trust God for is that he, that he explodes our social ministries. And we've got some big plans uh, for, for what God's going to do. And I'm going to unpack that in week three. But we are trusting that God's going to bring about city change through us as a local church this year. So I'm, I'm pumped. I'm excited. You're here. God's here. We got a vision from him for the year. And, uh, and he's going to do some mighty things. Um, what I want us to do now is, if you, um, you probably have this already, it's under your seat. And this will just tell you the three things that we're focusing on for the year. It's not detailed. We're going to unpack the details over the next three weeks. But what it does have at the end is it's got a section for people to volunteer to get involved in things. Because none of the things that we're trying to do this year is going to happen without us doing it together, without, a, um, without volunteers, without serving. And so what I want to do is every week we're going to just hear one minute from different serving teams to team leaders. And today I want to ask Mark, Arvia, and who else? Bertrand, come on up here. And uh, you're going to give us a one minute, uh, bring a mic with you if possible, a one minute on, on, on some of the different serving teams. Give them a warm round of applause as they come on up. Mark, kick us off. One minute, what you're doing and why people can get involved. Lekker. Good morning. Uh, my name is Mark. I head up the audio-visual team, which is the sound and lighting. Um, our purpose or aim on a Sunday is to make sure that the preachers uh, communicated effectively and we can all hear um, the Word of God clearly, um, as well as to help the band uh, practice during the week. Um, and to set up on a Sunday um, to make sure that all the sound and lighting is set up so we can all uh, come to a place of worship and hear the Word of God. Um, what we do is technical, so we run the sound desk. Uh, we deal a lot with technology. We help the band set up on a Sunday. Um, so it is techie, but it also requires um, good, um, um, what do you call it, uh, yeah, good management or communication skills, particularly with the band, as well as with all of you when you get upset with us. Um, yeah, but although it's techy, it is learnable. It's like learning an instrument. Um, it does take time, dedication, and a lot of sweat and tears. But if you are keen or just uh, wanting to have a look and see what we do, you're welcome to join us. Um, on a Wednesday is probably ideal during a band practice. We get to tinker and mess around a bit. Um, yeah, but if you're keen to join the audiovisual team, we'd be, yeah, it'll be awesome to have you. Thanks. Brilliant. Thanks. Thanks, Mark. Come on up. Who's next? Bertrand. I'm, I'm Bertrand. Uh, I'm from, <laughs> I'm from the, the video team. Sorry, they telling me to move this way. So I'm from the video team. We're in charge of the cameras. We're in charge of the Facebook live stream, uh, the YouTube videos that you see, the Zoom um, meetings that we have when we can't be in person. Luckily, we're back. So um, basically, if you're interested in cameras, if you're interested in photography, if you want to learn some new things, please join our team. We can do with a couple of uh, more people on the video team. And I promise you, we'll teach you everything from the start if you join the, the video team.
Fantastic. Arya. Hi, guys. Guys are handsome, eh? Jeez. Another reason to join. <laughs> They're all married, though, sorry. Um, yeah, guys, I'm Arya. I run the projection team. And so, um, yeah, those guys said it's very technical and whatever. But what it comes down to, if you can point a mouse or if you can type on a keyboard, we can help. You can help us. Actually, we can't help you. We need you to help us. Uh, it's very easy, um, but we're looking for anybody that's interested in social media, presenting, design, all sorts of stuff. And it's a really easy job because everything gets done for us before we get here. And that's why I say we're looking for people that can point a mouse and type on a keyboard. So that's it. Yeah. Brilliant. Thanks, Thank guys. Thank you, Arvia. Okay, fantastic. So... I want you to fill this out right now. If you feel like one of those areas resonated with you, or if you already know you want to get in something else, you want to get involved in ushering or kids ministry, fill this out, tear it off, and give it to somebody at the info desk on your way out. Okay, we are talking individual renewal, how the gospel changes people. And uh, you have John chapter 4 opened up already. Um, let's jump in over here. Um, I've got um, four big ideas for you this, this morning. Um, uh, three big ideas, sorry, from, from this passage of Scripture, all about evangelism. And the, the, thing, the thing about evangelism is that it's, it's so central to what we do as a church and so central to what we're called to do as Christians. It's, it's, it's the Great Commission, isn't it? We're called co-mission with Jesus as He brings the renewal in people's lives, but He uses us to share that, that message, uh, the Great Baptist preacher Charles Spurgeon said this, he said, if there be one point in which the Christian church ought to keep its fervor at white heat, it is concerning missions. And so we're wanting to keep our, our, our passion for mission, for sharing the gospel, for evangelism at white heat in 2022. I wonder if it's at white heat at the moment for you. We want to turn up the heat in our ability to share the gospel and have gospel conversations and the reason for that is because um, Paul put it this way. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. The power is not in us as individuals. The power is in the message of Jesus Christ. And when we share that message, it brings about um, life. It explodes into new life in, when, when we share that message. And so that's why all of us can do it. It's not something that's reserved for like the special ultra-holy missionaries or evangelists. No, no, it's something for all of us. Because the power is in the gospel. So, my first big idea about evangelism is that evangelism is a lifestyle decision. It's a lifestyle decision. Have a look at verse 3 in John chapter 4. Um, Jesus is traveling and it says in verse 3, He left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now, He had to go through Samaria. So, Jesus is traveling and this is part of His ministry. He goes around to different places and He's preaching He's really busy. He's kind of squeezing three years of ministry, uh, all, his, all his ministry into three years. And so, and so his travel schedule is busy. It's intense. And he gets tired naturally. And this is a pit stop. He's just stopping somewhere in Samaria uh, for some water and something to eat. And what's interesting is that Jesus doesn't make evangelism like an extra thing onto his already busy schedule. He does it, he does it by adding it into his natural rhythms. He adds evangelism into his natural rhythms. And, and as he's traveling, as he's stopping, he encounters this woman and he shares the gospel with this woman. I wonder what your 
natural rhythms are. I wonder where the opportunities are for you to have those accidental, transparent conversations with people. Like when you go to gym, you have an accidental, transparent conversation about who God is to you. Or like when you're on a play date, if you're a mom, and, and, you, and you can have that accidental conversation, transparent conversation with someone. I'm going to tell you about this one accidental, transparent conversation that I got to have uh, when, when I got married. Um, before I got married, I knew that my wife wanted me to share, to, to ask her brother if I could have his blessing, her eldest brother. So I um, gave him a call. And we ended up speaking, and he had three questions for me. What is your five-year plan? What is your 15-year plan? And then the last one was really intense. He asked me, if you have to make a decision to protect Sachi's life, and the only way that you can protect Sachi's life, which is in danger, you have to renounce your faith. Uh, what do you choose? Now, he's, an, he's not a believer. Uh, he's a super bright guy, and I respect him, and I don't also want to sound crazy to him. You know what I mean? He's like giving me this ultimatum if, uh, if I have to make this decision between protecting such as life and renouncing my faith, what do I choose? And uh, have you ever been in a situation where, you, you know, evangelism is just going to be telling the truth about something, but it's going to risk you sounding a bit crazy? Have you ever been in that situation where it's, it's an accidental conversation and just being transparent in that moment is going to be sharing the gospel, but it potentially makes you sound very strange. Sometimes evangelism is just telling the truth about what you know. Sometimes it's just being honest about your relationship with, with Jesus and, and, and explaining to somebody else, letting them in on how much work he's done in your life, what a friend he is to you, how much he's changed you. But, but there's that resistance often because I don't want to sound crazy. I, I don't want to seem weird. There's a, there's a resistance to, 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 to kind of sharing my faith and having this public faith um, and, and getting on board with what God wants me to do in that moment, there's resistance. And I want to put it to you that, that sometimes for, for, for us, there, there's a gap between the life that we're living and then the unlived life within us. The, and that gap is filled with resistance. There's a resistance to being, like, being completely on board, being completely transparent about what God is doing in our lives. And... Um, I don't know if you know, but resistance always opposes energy. In electricity, electrical circuits, resistance opposes energy. When there's no energy, there's no resistance. It's the same thing in life. When you have to go to gym, there's resistance. But there's no resistance when you don't have to do exercise, right? When you just chill on the couch, there's no resistance. There's nothing resisting you, right? So only when, the, when there's growth, when there's progress, when, you, when you're making when you're making strides in your faith, do you actually find that there's resistance? And overcoming that resistance is central to closing the gap between the life that we're living and the unlived life within us. And I ended up looking at, um, uh, telling my, my, my brother-in-law, listen, I, I need to be honest with you. I, uh, the Bible says I need love protects. I, I have to protect my wife, so I'll do everything I can. But I, I know this is going to sound crazy. I just can't can't renounce my faith. I know it sounds weird, but it's real to me. Jesus is real. I, I've experienced his love. I've experienced his kindness. And you know what? This just came to me in the minute. And as I was speaking to him, I said, he'll tell me what to do. He'll, he'll, he'll show me what to do in the moment. And it, and it led to some good conversations about the gospel. But closing that gap between the life that we're living, whether it's in moments or whether it's making a decision at the start of the year, to overcome the resistance, to resist the resistance, to close the gap between the life that we're living 
and the unlived life within us is vital to making evangelism part of our natural rhythm. So number one, it's a lifestyle decision. You don't have to be a super pro at it. You don't have to add it onto your really busy schedule. You just have to include it into your natural rhythms. Number two, evangelism is more heart than it is head. It's more heart than it is head. Have a look at verse 6. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. Now, this is an amazing picture. Jesus is, 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 is like this spring of living water. He is like a well sitting next to a well, and he's waiting for this woman to come. And it's 12 in the afternoon. It's about noon. He's waiting for this woman to come. This woman isn't there yet. And, 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 and you've got Jesus waiting. He's got an appointment with her. Like, like he had an appointment with me. Like he had an appointment with you. Isn't it amazing how he waits for us? He waits for you. Sometimes we're not the ones waiting on him. Right? I wasn't the one waiting on him when I first became a Christian. I certainly wasn't seeking him. I wasn't waiting on him. He was waiting on me. Isn't that true for so, for so many of us? That we weren't in the right place. We weren't at the right time. But, but he was waiting on us. He was there waiting. I came straight from the clubs. I wasn't waiting on Jesus. I was living my best life. But he was waiting on me. I was in the wrong place. I wasn't, I, I wasn't there. And he came in. And, and where would I be today if, he's, if he didn't wait on me? Where would you be today if the gospel didn't come to you because Jesus was waiting on you? I probably would, wouldn't be around anymore, let alone um, have, have the, this knowledge of his amazing love for me. He's waiting for this woman. And it's amazing also to me that this woman is somebody who comes at 12 in the afternoon. Now, now the scholars say that that's, that's, that's not normal. Women wouldn't come at 12 in the afternoon. They would come in the morning when it was cool, or later on in the afternoon when it was cool. The fact that she's coming at noon is a problem. And, and, the, and the reason we think that she's coming at 12 is because she's, she's kind of, um, she's, she's on the outskirts of the community. She's a bit of an outcast, really. That's what's happened in this woman's life. She'd been looking for satisfaction from other springs, and the springs have failed her. She's had five relationships already, five husbands already. And the current person that she's with is not her husband. We know that that's what Jesus is going to say to her. And so, and so maybe this patriarchal society has just had its way with her and has disappointed her. Person after person after person has disappointed her. The springs, the other springs have disappointed her. And now she comes as an outcast, 12 in the afternoon. She doesn't want people to speak to her. She comes uh, at a time when no one's going to be there. But Jesus is waiting for her, because he has an encounter with her. And then he asks her this powerful question in verse 7. He says to her, and it's, it's a powerful question. He breaks through a whole bunch of societal norms and asks this question, will you give me a drink? Will you give me a drink? This question is powerful in, in, in many different ways because Jesus is a man talking to a woman in a patriarchal society. That's not allowed. That's, that's genuinely not allowed. And it's certainly not allowed when you're alone. He's alone with a woman. And it's certainly, certainly not allowed when you're alone with a woman at a well. Because wells weren't only physical watering holes. They were also romantic watering holes. Okay? So this is like, I don't know, Tinder of the old school. This is, uh, this is where people went to, to connect. You know what I mean? 
And, and so Jesus, Jesus breaks through all of these societal norms with this question. He reaches out to her in love. Will you pour me a drink of water? He's a man speaking to a woman. He's a man alone speaking to a woman alone. He's a man alone at a watering well speaking to a woman. And he breaks through all of those societal norms. But he's not only just a man alone at a watering well. He's also a Jewish man. And Jewish men don't speak to Samaritan women. And, 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 he, and, he, and he, doesn't, he doesn't care enough about his reputation. He cares more to reach this woman with the gospel. He cares more to, to, to bring the, 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 the water that will satisfy her soul to her. And so even as a Jewish man, he reaches over the cultural barrier and he speaks to her as a Samaritan woman. And then he's also a popular rabbi. He's a televangelist at this point. He's made it big. He's on TV and, uh, you know, uh, TBN loves him. And, and he's busy and he's traveling. And, and you've got this contrast because there's this woman alone, lonely, coming at 12 in the afternoon, the outcast. But he's not too busy for her. He's not too busy for her. It's the love of Jesus that actually wins this woman over. That's what I think is happening here. That's what's being communicated here. Evangelism is more heart than it is head. It's got more to do with how much you feel for the lost, your passion for people who don't yet know Jesus, who are looking at, for, for, for satisfaction in other wells, and you see it and you're brokenhearted for them. It's not so much about how much you know about apologetics and evangelism and, and how many books you've read about it. It's about the passion that you have for people who don't yet know Jesus. And so 2022 needs to be a year where, listen, even if you feel I'm inadequate for evangelism, so many of us feel that way. I don't know uh, a lot about evangelism. I don't even know what apologetics even means. I'm probably the person that, if there was like a Christian version of 30 seconds, they would choose me last. And so I'm like I'm inadequate for sharing the gospel with people. That's not me. I don't have all the answers. You don't need all the answers. You do. You can get by without having all the answers. You can't get by without loving people, without having a passion for people. Won't 2022 be the year that you open your heart to somebody who's not a Christian, somebody who's exploring and, 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 and looking for truth in some other well? Won't 2022 be the year that you say, man, I'm going to pray for somebody for their salvation? It might be somebody in your family. It might be a, a colleague at work. I'm going to pray for their salvation. Won't 2022 be the year where you put yourself out there, and make yourself vulnerable, and just have that accidental, transparent conversation about Jesus and say what he is to you. Won't 2022 be the year that you love somebody? All the best evangelists say this. That's the secret to evangelism. Billy Graham said, it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. It's God's job to judge. It's my job to love. It's my job to love. Heidi Baker, who um, seeing, saw amazing success in Mozambique. She's got a real heart for Africa. She saw the power of God breaking through in miracles, signs and wonders, and seeing loads of people getting saved. She said this. She said, God has spoken to me many times that it is my job to love and his job to heal. Listen, friends, we might feel inadequate. We might feel, man, listen, I'm not, uh, I'm not like the, the missionary type. That's not who I am. I'm not the evangelist type. That's not who I am. It's just your job to love. It's just your job to be moved, to have a passion for, for the people of the city, for, the, for those who, are, who don't yet know Jesus. Paul puts it this way in Colossians. I'm going to read from the message version. He says, my counsel for you is simple and straightforward. 
Go ahead with what you've been given. You received Christ Jesus, the master, now live in him. You're deeply rooted in him. You're well constructed upon him. You know your way around the faith. Now do what you've been taught. School's out. Quit studying the subject and start living it. Start, unless you're at school, literally don't stop studying. That's not what it means. If you have varsity watching this, it's metaphoric. It just means you don't have to have all the answers for the faith to start sharing your faith with others. Okay, school's out. Live for him. Number three, lastly, evangelism is for everyone. Um, it's, It's for everyone. And, and we see this in this passage. Jesus is masterfully engaged with this woman. And then after he's engaged with her, she goes off. She, the, the penny's dropped. She, she believes in him. She, she kind of goes off. And the disciples arrive. And there's some overlap in this. The disciples arrive. And the disciples come back. And, and Jesus wants to inspire the disciples to, to evangelize, to share their faith, to have a public faith. And so he, he tries to inspire the disciples and, uh, and, and, and they arrive, and I think it's a bit awkward because they like, she's a woman at the watering well, Jesus, and what's going on? This is inappropriate. And, and maybe she's like, okay, this is getting uncomfortable. She goes, and then they say to him, um, listen, uh, can you have some food? And then Jesus says to them, um, uh, where are now? Jesus says to them, I have food to eat that you do not know anything about. I have food to eat. He, he wants them to eat the food that he's eating. He's saying, I've got food that I'm eating that, that, that you don't know anything about yet. I want you to have from this food. It's food. It's not dessert. It's, 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 it's the main course. It's not, it's not an appetizer. And you don't know anything about it yet. You're starving yourself. This is not like an optional extra little dessert over here, a little tiny thing. It's not really going to satisfy. No, it's a big, it's a big meal. It's a food um, for you. And I want you, to, I want you to eat this food. I want you to enjoy this food with me. It's, 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 it's satisfying. It's, it's filling. You don't know anything about it. And they don't fully get what he's saying. They're like, what is he on about food to eat? Did somebody give him food? Did you eat that lady's food? Sure, but Jesus, that's not okay. Don't you know the way to a man's heart is through his stomach? I mean, you can't just eat women's food at the well. And we went and bought the falafels. We walked so far to get the falafels to you. And you've eaten. You, eat, you ate the food already. And Jesus is like, I've got food for you. I want, and he's got the crazy eye when he's speaking. He's probably spitting at this point. I've got food for you that you don't know anything about. I want you to eat this food. This is the satisfying food of doing God's will, of living for God, of sharing your faith, of evangelizing, and not just privatizing your faith and just living in your safe zone. I want you to step out because this is the thing that's going to satisfy you. You think other things are going to satisfy you. This is what's going to satisfy you. The minute you start eating from this food and seeing people come to know me, that's the thing that's going to bring you ultimate joy and satisfaction. And I sometimes think we probably need to hear that also. I've got food for you. I go, it's like, oh, evangelism. Vision, I thought this was going to be an exciting vision. Oh, evangelism for the Yes, it's food that will satisfy us. It's, it's, it's food that will, it's not, it, it, it will fill us up. Perhaps sometimes it's like, man, I'm not a missionary, you know. It's, I'm not professional. I don't know how to do it. I don't dress like a missionary. You can see I wear cool clothing. I don't like wear clothes made from curtain rails. And I'm like a missionary type. I'm, I'm stereotyping missionaries now. That's not what missionaries dress like. But we, we probably have this idea, like mission, mission, the mission of God. I have to live in a hut somewhere. 
and like I might end up getting my life might end up being like eaten by a lion or something. I'm not I'm not like on that spiritual level, man, for like to share my faith and to be on mission with God. But 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 Jesus is saying this is for every single one of you. This is for all of us. The commission is for all of us. Jesus said, go out and preach the goodness to all creation. Every single one of you. It's, it's, it's a together thing. It's an all of us thing. Um, Chris Wright, who's a missiologist, he says this. His mission was not made for the church. The church was made for mission. In other words, this is what you were made to do. That's what his reflection is. He's saying you're made for the mission. It's not like God created the church and then had to think, I wonder what I'm supposed to do, give to them to do. No, 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 he's given us a mission. And, and, and you need the mission as much as the mission needs you. Perhaps you need the mission a bit more. I need the mission a bit more than the mission needs me. I'm made, I only find my satisfaction. I only find my purpose. I only come alive fully when I'm fully embracing God's mission for my life. When I'm, when I'm sharing my faith, when I'm co-laboring with him and in, in joining him in the Great Commission. The mission was made for you and for me. And then Jesus reminds us, listen, this is, the power is in the gospel. It's not in the person. So you, it's for you. You can do it. He says to them, he's still, he's still spitting and he's got the crazy eye. He says to them, don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes. Look at the fields. They're ripe for harvest. What's he talking about? He's saying, this lady's just run off and she's going to go and bring back the whole village. She's going to share a testimony. She's going to evangelize. You know, sometimes it's, Sometimes we evangelize because, because we, we were so down and out. I was so far away from God. You know, uh, he, he, he loved me so much that I'm just like, man, if he can do that for me, if his love can transform me, it can transform anybody. Perhaps the, Pharisees, the disciples have got a little bit of Pharisee in them and they're still thinking, oh, I don't know if God can really work in people's lives. No, God can work in people's lives because he did it in your life and he did it in my life. Jesus says to them, she's coming. The harvest is plentiful. These people are coming. And then he says, listen, you've got the saying four months and then the harvest. What is he talking about? Obviously, you plant something and then you wait for four months and then it grows and then you, you, you rejoice. But Jesus says, you've got the saying four months until the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes. It doesn't work that way with the gospel. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and, the harvest, and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Huh? How can the sower and the reaper be glad together? It doesn't even make sense. Like you plant something, the sower plants the thing, then they wait for four months, and then the reaper comes and reaps the harvest, and then they rejoice. This person went home already. Four months went by. What are you talking about? Jesus is saying it doesn't work that way with the gospel. The gospel is so powerful. You sow it now, the sower sows it now, and boom, it explodes into life in somebody and, and immediately, the person who just sowed it rejoices with the person who reaps because the thing explodes immediately. It is not, it's not a four-month waiting period. No, no, no. The gospel is powerful. It, the minute you preach it, the minute you share what's happening, it brings about life in somebody. It produces, supernaturally produces life in them. And perhaps even right now you're listening to this. Life has been produced in you. Maybe you're watching online. Life has been produced in you. And something is happening you're like, oh, I don't really know about Christianity, but I'm feeling something. It's the gospel. It works like that. It's powerful. We should never say the culture is too pluralistic for the gospel. My friendship circular, they're too relativistic for the gospel. People don't believe the stuff anymore. 
the gospel is as powerful as it's ever been. The culture will change. The arguments will change. The gospel's power remains the same. Yesterday, today, forever, he remains the same. He's able to transform people and bring about that renewal that can only come from him through the gospel. And so this year, won't we put our confidence in the gospel? Not in our, ourselves. It's all about the power of the gospel. What we're going to do this year is we're going to have some things that are going to help us to share the gospel with people. For example, we're going to be doing a parenting alpha course. Um, and that's a fantastic way to invite people, perhaps who aren't yet believers. And it's, you're talking about parenting, but you're also talking about the gospel. We're going to have midweek apologetics events. We're going to talk about the metaverse, and we're going to talk about atheism. We'll talk about all sorts of different things. And it's a great way to invite people to, uh, to, to, to get to hear the gospel. We're going to have preaching series that are aimed at helping us develop a public faith. We're going to have evangelistic meetings like Good Friday orchestras and carol services and all sorts of other things where you can invite people to come and hear the gospel. And this is what we need to do. This is a together thing. This is what we need to do. Number one, we need to pray and fast together because it's a supernatural thing. It's, it's a supernatural thing. And so we need to pray and fast together. And so next week, we're going to set aside that week as a week of just praying and fasting. God, won't you, won't you save and rescue people? Won't you, won't you, bring, won't you open up eyes? Won't you do that? in the people that I care about, the people that we're thinking about right now. And then, number two, we need to close the gap between the life that we're living. I need to do that, and the unlived life within me. I want to close that gap, and I want to go all out with Jesus. I want to put myself out there a bit more this year and share my faith. And that's, I think, a challenge for each one of us to do. Resist the resistance and close the gap. And then number three, we need volunteers to make all of this happen. And so we're going to ask you to sign up for things like, uh, like, like sound teams and projection and film crews so that we can spread the word and scatter the seed. The more we scatter the seed, the more trees are going to get planted. It, just, it comes down to just scattering the seed. So I'm going to ask you, won't you just grab this again right now? And maybe you want to just um, say a prayer as I close now and just ask the Lord, maybe is this is an area for me to serve this year so that, so that more people can come to know you as Lord and as Savior this year. Hallelujah. And when you come on up, I'm going to pray. Grab this as I pray. Lord Jesus, we want to give ourselves to you. We offer our lives to you as a living sacrifice. As a living sacrifice, Lord. Um, the problem with living sacrifices sometimes is they crawl off the altar. They're still alive. We, we want to just get ourselves back onto the altar. We want to serve you. We want to serve your purposes. We want to share our faith, Lord. We want to pray for boldness to do that. We want to close that gap between the life we're living and the unlived life within us. And we want to pray, God, that you would give us guidance about how to serve, how to steward what you've given us, how to make the best of the gifts that you've given us, the time that you've given us. Uh, we, we really know that, that seeing people cross the line of faith is the thing that, that we take with us into eternity. It's going to be our testimony in heaven. It's going to be your testimony in heaven. Man, you're going to stand aside those martyrs <laughs> and the apostles who got crucified upside down. And uh, we're going to be able to say, we, we, we gave 2022 to sharing the gospel with people, to seeing people come to know Jesus as Lord and as Savior. So Holy Spirit, won't you come and breathe wind in our sails as individuals, as a community. We just pray now, come breathe wind in our sails. Strengthen us, empower us, make us excited 
for the renewal that you're going to bring. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.